Mark the date. On August 21st, many of us across the United States will be thrust into partial or total darkness. At that moment, some people will believe that the world is coming to an end. But don't worry, it's not the end of the world. It's just an eclipse. But this is no ordinary eclipse, mind you. This is a total eclipse. It's one of those wow events that hardly ever happens in a person's lifetime. And it's coming to a location near you. Now, normally, a total eclipse is a rare occurrence. It's this breathtaking spectacle in space. You don't want to miss it, trust me. And if you want the best seat in the house, the safest way to view, and the best way to take photos, you definitely want to keep listening. You see, we have spent hours interviewing some of the world's most respected physicists, astronomers, research scientists, and just great photographers. And they flooded us with so much surprising information that we just weren't able to use it all. So in fact, we created two podcasts, and they contain everything you need to know about the upcoming Great American Eclipse. Hi there, I'm America's Digital Pro, Kim Commando. And in this Commando On Demand podcast, we're going to meet some of the top scientists and experts in the area of astronomy and physics, including an actual eclipse chaser. Yeah, they're out there. You're also going to learn the best way to safely see the upcoming eclipse. These are the type of topics I love to explore in our Commando On Demand podcast, which if you're not already getting each and every one delivered to your phone, your computer or tablet automatically, you really should. It's super easy. On Apple iTunes, just click subscribe. And on Google Play, hit subscribe, and you'll automatically get them delivered to your favorite Android device, even while you're sleeping. HelloFresh helps you prepare healthy, delicious meals at home in under 30 minutes by delivering easy-to-follow recipes direct to your doorstep. Start today and get $20 off plus free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash Kim. All right, let's start at the beginning. A total eclipse is a blackout of such intensity, it's considered by many cultures to be a bad sign. As the precious sun that we depend on for life is temporarily upstaged by this jealous moon, we're left in the dark just for a few moments to ponder our own existence in the unsettling black. In fact, the word eclipse comes from eclipsis. That's Greek for being abandoned. All right, I love this song, but come on, lighten up. Eclipses aren't the enemy. People often mistake a total eclipse for this bad omen. But in the scientific world, eclipses are helpful. That's right, they are. They contribute to many groundbreaking discoveries, such as discovering new, possibly habitable planets, calculating the distance from the moon to Earth, and the ability to photograph the sun's corona. But let's start at the basics. What is it, how to see it, how to capture it, and how to survive it? I'm going to break it down for you. Don't worry. And get this. You don't need to be a science geek to really get all this stuff. It's actually really, really interesting. And you'll see that each of our guests has a unique area of expertise when it comes to eclipses into space. So we're going to hear from them back to back on each question. So let's start at the very, very beginning. What exactly is an eclipse? An eclipse is where the moon passes between the Earth and the sun. And so in a small area on the Earth, it blocks all of the light from the sun during a total solar eclipse. On the ground, you see it get dark. You can see that there's light at the horizon if you can see all the way to the horizon. It's 
daytime, and yet it's as dark as it is late evening, you know, after sunset. It's a pretty amazing thing to experience. That was Dr. Eric Christian, a senior research scientist in the Heliospheric Laboratory at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. And he's the lead scientist for the Energetic Particle Laboratory. Okay, the guy's super smart. And he's also the deputy principal investigator for the Integrated Scientific Investigation of the Sun on the Solar Probe Plus mission. Oh, boy. And he's the mission scientist for the Interstellar Boundary Explorer and the deputy project scientist for the Solar Terrestrial Relations Observatory and the Advancement Composition Explorer. Okay, that's about a 25-second ooh-ah right there. But between 2002 and 2008, Dr. Christian worked at NASA headquarters as the program scientist for a number of missions, including the two Voyager spacecraft. And what a fascinating conversation we have. Equally fascinating was my interview with Andrew Preknoy. He's an award-winning astronomer and one of the country's leading experts on the 2017 total eclipse. And let me tell you this. When he speaks publicly, it's usually to a packed house. He's been on the Today Show and on the CBS Morning News, and Andrew is a passionate speaker. And his definition of the eclipse, well, listen to it. It took a slightly different angle. What happens is that the sun is covered entirely by the moon. We call that a total eclipse when the moon manages to cover the sun. And that's only going to be visible over a very narrow path, about 60 to 70 miles across. And this total eclipse path will start on a beach in Oregon and make its way across the United States and wind up on a beach in South Carolina. And so if you're in that path of totality, you will see the spectacular total eclipse where the moon completely covers the sun and the day turns into night. But for the rest of us, there will be a partial eclipse. And that's going to be quite impressive, too. All of North America is going to get to see a partial eclipse where a big bite is taken out of the sun. Everything is going to be lined up perfectly so that the moon is going to pass through the shadow of the Earth, and that will block the sunlight. So what you will see is this curved shadow moving across the full moon. And during the deepest part of the eclipse, the moon will actually look red. It's a beautiful thing. Now, the reason that happens is that the only sunlight reaching the moon is light that's being scattered through the atmosphere of the Earth. And the Earth's atmosphere scatters away blue light, but lets red light through in a much more direct manner. It's actually the reason a sunrise or a sunset looks red to us. That red light is bouncing off the moon. And that's Dr. Michelle Thauer. She's an astronomer and the deputy director of science for communications at NASA headquarters. She was a staff scientist at the Infrared Processing and Analysis Center, and later manager of the Education and Public Outreach Program for the Spitzer Space Telescope. And as you can see, she has some pretty big credentials, too. Now, you may be thinking, why is everyone making such a big deal about this eclipse? Well, our experts are happy to help you get on board. It's special because there's only average of one total solar eclipse a year somewhere on the planet. But if you were standing in one place, you'd only get and see an eclipse every three or four hundred years. This eclipse is going to go from Oregon to South Carolina. And so it means that everyone in the continental U.S. will see a good partial eclipse if they have the right viewing eclipse classes or an indirect method. And everyone who wants to can drive to totality. There's narrow 60-mile wide band that will cross the country and where you'll see a total solar eclipse. 
It's the first eclipse to cross the United States in about 99 years. It's very exciting to have an eclipse that's right on our own territory. Usually people have to go to distant places or rent a plane or a boat over oceans to get to see an eclipse of the sun, but here it's coming to us. In 1918, an eclipse crossed our country coast to coast. Just think about the difference in technology between then and now. Tremendous. But even with limited technology, the eclipse over South Africa in 1919 actually helped prove Einstein's theory of relativity, which back then, it was just hot off the press. We're going to talk more about that in part two of this podcast. While I was putting together part two, I had the chance to interview another research scientist of extraordinary magnitude, an intelligent and gracious Italian astrophysicist. His name is Nico Capaluti. He's a YCAA Prize Postdoctoral Fellow at Yale University Center for Astronomy and Astrophysics. And for some reason, I totally feel underdressed. Well, he and his colleagues have recently been breaking new ground in their study of these supermassive black holes and dark matter and other mysteries of deep space and time. I asked him if there were any more eclipses in our future. And, well, he had some exciting news. Since 2,500 years, since basically when astronomy developed, humankind was able to predict the number of eclipses. And we know that every 18 years, 29 lunar eclipses and 41 solar eclipses happen. And this cycle is called Saros cycle. The probability of having three solar eclipses observable in the same area in such a short time is very, very low. And especially the state of Oregon will have two total eclipses in the same area within seven years. This is exceptional. Just to give you an example, where I was born, there was a total eclipse in the 60s, and there won't be any in my lifespan. So this is exceptional. We are very lucky, and that will give the opportunity of people living in our epoch to see three eclipses in a lifetime. It's impressive. So there are two more coming. In the next seven years, in the United States, we will have three solar eclipses observable from north to south. Okay, what about a total eclipse? The next one in the U.S. happens in 2024, and it turns out that Carbondale, Illinois, which is one of the places NASA is going to set up, is on both paths. So, Eric, how can we pinpoint where the next eclipses will actually happen? You can see maps of where all the future eclipses are, and there are people who travel all over the world to see these things. I've seen two in very remote places. This one's going to be fun because it's home at some level, and so really neat. Are you going? Yeah, I'm going to be in Casper, Wyoming, yep. That's crazy. I made plans to be in Casper, Wyoming, too. All right. What about you, Nico? Uh, so I won't be able to travel because I'm having a baby. Ah, an eclipse baby. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, you heard Dr. Christian mention the word totality. And of course, everybody wants to get the best view of the total eclipse in its entirety. Andrew, you said that you know a way to help our listeners figure out where to get the very best view. Can you please explain that? 
So this eclipse will be different in each different city. In New York City, for example, 71% of the sun will be covered. Uh, where I am in San Francisco, about 76% of the sun will be covered by the moon. And in Washington, D.C., there'll be an 81% cover-up of the sun by the moon. And so astronomer Jeff Bennett has put together a very nice app that you can get in the App Store uh, called Totality. And if you just download, it's a completely free app, and if you download that onto your phone or tablet, you can then put in where you are, and it will show you exactly what's going to happen in your location, how much of an eclipse you're going to get, what the eclipse will look like, and where it will be in the sky. And what about online? Online, there is a huge amount of information. NASA will cover it on nasa.gov, so it will be observable basically by everyone. So many people are going to want to take photos of the eclipse, but there's the right way and the wrong way to do it. Coming up, how to take the best photos of the eclipse and still keep your eyes in check. Brought to you in part by our friends at Dreamstime, the world's largest stock photo and video community. The right image anywhere, anytime. Download the most relevant and current images and videos today for only 20 cents each or for free. Visit dreamstime.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-S-T-I-M-E dot com today. So if you want to see the total eclipse at totality, Andrew, I know you're on the Eclipse Task Force that has been planning for this event for over a year. But what are some of the things that you want to warn travelers and eclipse chasers about? Are there any problems that we should be aware of? Where the total eclipse is visible turns out really not to hit any of the major metropolitan areas of the United States. It does clip a little corner of St. Louis, and it does go over the town of Nashville. But everywhere else, it's a small town and rural eclipse. And on the other hand, 47 million people live within a hundred mile drive of that zone. And what worries astronomers and public safety experts is that as the media begin to really wake up to this eclipse and as people learn more about it, many of those 47 million people will say, well, what the heck? It's only a hundred miles to drive there. Let's get in the car, take the kids and drive up there the morning of the eclipse. And if millions of people make that decision at the last minute, it's going to be utter gridlock on the roads. And not just the roads will be crowded, but the fields and, the, and all the sort of small towns will get overwhelmed with visitors. And so things like, uh, where will they go to the bathroom? Where will they get water? Where will there be enough food? So we're really encouraging people who are interested in the eclipse to plan ahead not to leave this to the last minute. Uh, most experts are saying you should be in or very close to the zone of the total eclipse if you want to see the full spectacle the day before the eclipse. So the eclipse is happening on a Monday, Monday, August 21. And so on that Sunday or even on the Saturday is the time to get into the zone to make sure that you know where resources are, to make sure you know where you're going to be that morning and not leave it to chance and to this uh, possibility of having enormous crowds trying to move into the zone hours before the eclipse on August 21. I'm pretty anxious to hear about the tech aspect, of course. 
the last time we had a total eclipse in this country, we didn't have any computers. There was no satellite tracking. And because things have all changed, Dr. Christian, I know that so many of our listeners are just dying to hear about NASA's imaging and photo techniques. So tell us more. Okay, so we're going to have a bunch of customized telescopes, usually about four. We do NASA TV and the Exploratory and Science Museum that I work with. Uh, we'll be doing a live webcast and a recording of it. So we'll have four specialized telescopes that include full field in what's called white light and H-alpha, which is a certain wavelength that hydrogen gives off on the sun, and then close-ups of both of those versions. But me, I like just watching it. I take some pictures. I have a SLR camera that I use, just a Canon EOS, and I have a 500 millimeter lens, which lets the sun take up a, a good part of the viewing area. I have a good solar filter, which is really, really black, so that I can take pictures of the partial. But during the total solar eclipse, you'll never get as good as the professional photographers who do some special processing and, and have their camera set up to take multiple images of the then combine. And so we advise that people just look at the corona. I mean, it's a, this gorgeous thing, and your eye is actually better than any camera an ordinary person would have. And so I spent most of my time during the last two solar eclipses just looking at it. I took some pictures of people's reaction around me, and that's always fun. But it's the only time with your own eye you can see the, the solar corona, which is this stream of particles that blows off the sun in all directions. And it's beautiful. It, it's different every single time because the solar wind changes and the, the magnetic field of the sun changes. And it's just really spectacular to just watch it. That's the thing about NASA. They plan the coordinates down to a T. Yep, yep. Okay, here's an important point. All the experts I spoke with had one major piece of advice. If this is your very first eclipse, do not try to take pictures. Taking pictures with your cell phone is especially dangerous because, well, it could fry the photo cells. So instead, sit back, enjoy it, put the screen down, experience the eclipse. It's more beautiful than you realize. And this beauty is going to create a more meaningful memory than the memory of fumbling around with your camera gear or your smartphone. The eclipse is so spectacular, with the moon completely covering the sun and the faint halo of an atmosphere coming out from around the sun. And you see the day turn into darkness so that the stars actually come out. It's just an awesome spectacle. And so for people who are new to eclipses, we recommend don't try to take a picture, especially because this eclipse is a relatively short one. Even in the longest place, it only lasts about two and a half minutes. So during that brief time, uh, it's really best just to take in the scene, to look around you, to see how nature's reacting to this remarkable change in the light, and to let it all wash over you. Let's go back to the new technology. I'm such a tech nerd and junkie, and I have been my entire life. And I want to share with you some of the latest technology that will be making its debut during this total eclipse. 
So one of the really neat things that NASA and other people are doing for this eclipse is we've set up identical telescopes all along the path. Normally you can only see for one to seven minutes. This one's going to be about two and a half minutes long at, at its longest and stuff. But the corona that you're seeing changes, but it changes slowly. By using identical telescopes all across the country, we're going to be able to hopefully get together a movie of the solar corona for the hour and a half that it takes to go from Oregon to South Carolina. Because it's identical uh, telescopes and setups, we're going to be able to combine them pretty easily and get an amazing movie of the eclipse that'll be longer than any one person can see. And there's another eclipse movie brewing, something similar but very unique. Google and the University of California at Berkeley have gotten together to do a remarkable citizen science project called the Eclipse Mega Movie. And what they hope to do is to get people all along that path where the eclipse is total to take pictures of the total eclipse. When the sun's atmosphere comes out, you can see a beautiful halo around the sun, and it's very, very photogenic. So they're going to ask people to take a picture and then wirelessly send it to Google. And Google will stitch all the pictures from across the country together into one giant movie showing the eclipse moving from the West Coast to the East Coast. And that's called the Eclipse Mega Movie Project. And they're still looking for photographers who'd like to be part of this great project. I hope you didn't miss that. I know for a fact that we have some technology-savvy photographers who listen to this podcast. So I encourage you, if you think you can make the grade, get in on this thing. What a blast. So this might be a mixed message. On one hand, the experts say, don't take photos. But if you're a professional and you have the right gear, it could work out. For people like me, I know you've got your camera out, lenses cleaned, infrared or some other experimental film locked and loaded. So here to help us understand is astronomer, eclipse chaser, and astrophotographer, Rob Howley. He's the creator of the Photographing Solar Eclipses video series. It's on YouTube and it's super popular. And it's not as easy as you think. The first problem you'll have to face is the range of brightnesses. If you want to capture a range of phenomena, you'll have to do this by either varying the ISO or varying your shutter speed. Next, which seems obvious, is the sun moves. You're going to be there for at least four hours, and even during totality itself, the sun is going to move out of your field of view. Finally, you're going to be pumped up with adrenaline. If you want a realistic practice of what an eclipse is like, run around the block first and then work with your equipment. Run around the block? I don't know if I want to run around during an eclipse, but I'll take your word for it. Let's talk tech now for a moment. Let's assume we know only a little tiny bit about photography, but we still want to get that decent shot. What's the first thing we should do? The first is to restrict your imaging to wide angle. Wide angle you can start before totality, and then you spend your time during totality looking. The next is to use an automated shutter along with a tracking mount. Finally, you can get really sophisticated and use a computer. Okay, I know this isn't your first time at the rodeo. How many times have you shot wide? I've shot wide angle four times. Some of the best eclipse shots I've ever seen are composites of more than one picture. So how can we do that? If you combine wide angle and high dynamic range, that means shooting multiple exposures and then combining them with the appropriate software, you can get a dramatic picture, but your priority needs to be looking at the eclipse and not photographing. Thanks, Rob. And there's that advice again, folks. Don't shoot the moon. Okay, one of the reasons I asked Andrew Franknoy to join us is because he led the effort to help provide 2 million eclipse safety viewing glasses to the public. 
There are 4,000 public libraries, and they're going to be giving away these glasses for free, along with an eye safety booklet that he helped distribute. So the big issue about an eclipse is that the sun is dangerous to look at. Normally, if we look briefly at the sun, our common sense tells us to look away. But sometimes during eclipses, enthusiasm about the sky can overwhelm your common sense. And so people may tend to look at the sun longer than we'd like them to. I just have to note here that according to NASA, Looking at an eclipse does not cause blindness, but it can cause significant retinal damage. The important thing about viewing the partial eclipse when the sun is still showing is to remember that it's dangerous and to use some kind of technique to shield your eyes. So there are several things that you can do. You can get special glasses, and there is indeed a nice project that we were involved with, thanks to the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation and Google, two million safe eclipse viewing glasses have been distributed to public libraries nationwide. And so you might be able to go to your public library and get eclipse viewing glasses, which make it safe to look at the sun. But if that's not true, if you're not able to get glasses and you want to look at the partial eclipse, here are some things you can do. You can, for example, take a hand mirror or a woman's compact mirror, cover all of it with a piece of cardboard except for a hole about the size of a dime. And if you take that covered mirror and you catch an image of the sun in that mirror, you can project that image onto a wall and get a nice reflected view of the eclipse, which is perfectly safe to look at. This may sound like an old wives' tale, but I have heard that a common kitchen colander works just as well. So is this true? If you hold the colander over your head with your back to the sun, the shadow of the colander on a pavement will show through those pinholes lots of little pictures of the partially eclipsed sun. This is great, Andrew. Our Eclipse 2017 Survival Kit is almost complete, thanks to you and my other expert guests. Now, you also have a free PDF available online, sort of a Q&A for the general public about solar eclipses. Tell us a little bit about it. So we've put together for the National Science Teachers Association a completely non-technical eight-page booklet all about the eclipse and how to view it, and that's free on the web, uh, nsta.org forward slash solar science. Right from that page, there's a link to this free eight-page booklet, which anyone can download from the web. So all the information about where to view it and how to view it can be found in that booklet. Now, for kids, this is really cool. You've written a book about eclipses. So the National Science Teachers Association has published a book that uh, my colleague Dennis Schatz and I have written called When the Sun Goes Dark. It's a book for kids ages 8 through 13, and it tells the story of young children whose grandparents are eclipse chasers who go all over the world looking for eclipses. And so the story includes some fun 
family activities that can be done to get kids more knowledgeable about the causes of eclipses and the safe viewing techniques. Uh, we're very gratified that teachers and librarians have told us that they have really enjoyed the book, and it's certainly something we will have available either through the National Science Teachers Association web store or even through Amazon. And of course, a lot of this great information is on my website over at commando.com. I just love everyone's enthusiasm for eclipses, especially technology, and the delight that they all take in sharing this passion with the world. It's just infectious. And talking with all of you has been so inspiring. So that makes me curious as to how you got involved in astronomy in the first place. When I was very young, I loved science fiction. And I would love reading either books or comic books about people in space and other worlds. And then I remember suddenly becoming aware in a library that this isn't just fiction. People actually study this for a living, that you can learn about the planets, the stars, and the galaxies in real life. And that just drew me immediately then to take more science classes and to get interested in astronomy. And I've been, I guess, involved since age 13. Eric, what about you? Are you living the dream working for NASA? So I was eight years old when the lunar landing started. Basically, at eight years old, I decided I wanted to work for NASA and never changed my mind. Even at the time, I knew I was good at science and math. And so I'm very unusual in that I decided early what I wanted to do. I'm now working for NASA, a job that's fun. <laughs> you know, it's exactly what I wanted to be doing with my life. Very lucky that way. And we are lucky to have you on this podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Kim. Nico, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Thank you very much. I, too, fell in love with the whole idea of radio and computer technology at a very young age. I'm so happy I pursued my dream as hard as I did because now I get to not only do what I love, but share that knowledge with everyone. And that's what's so great about these very rare upcoming eclipses. By all rights, we shouldn't be viewing even one in our lifetime. And yet, here are three total eclipses coming to the United States. If you read between the lines, look beyond the technology and see the big picture. This upcoming eclipse is giving us permission to dream again, to wonder again, to reach beyond what we know and maybe invent something new. So just don't listen to my podcast. Invent something, study something, learn something. Delve into what calls you and it's never too late. And don't forget coming soon, part two of this Commando on Demand Great American Eclipse series. And if you like this podcast, do me a favor, head over to iTunes or Google Play and give it a five-star rating and a terrific review because this really helps more people find our podcasts. And as you know, podcasts, it's all about sharing. Thanks to Simply Safe, protecting your family is simple. Get 10% off at simplysafechem.com. That's simplysafechem.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly!
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.